Grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our Lord Jesus, dear friends. The part of God's Word that we'll look at this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah chapter 52. He writes, Awake, awake Zion, clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. The uncircumcised, or uncircumcised and defiled will not enter you again. Shake off your dust, rise up, sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says, You were sold for nothing, and without money you will be redeemed. For this is what the Sovereign Lord says, At first my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately Assyria has oppressed them. And now, what do I have here, declares the Lord. For my people have been taken away for nothing, and those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. All day long my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore my people will know my name. Therefore in that day they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. This is the word of our God. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or hour. It's how Jesus concluded that parable that we just read. And of course, like those five wise virgins in that parable, we too want to be watchful for the return of our Savior. Looking forward to the glorious and eternal future that His coming will usher in. But what does it mean to be a church that's watchful as it waits? What does that look like? You know, in our reading from Thessalonians today, the Apostle Paul mentions three things that make up this watchfulness that the Lord wants us to have. They are faith, love, and hope. Words that we use very often. Faith in Jesus and what He has done to save us from our sins and make us the children of God. And so being watchful means knowing who we are in Jesus. Then there's love that flows from that faith and shows itself in the way that we live our lives in this world. Paul said we are all the children of the light not of darkness. And so being watchful means living as children of God while we wait. And then finally, hope. Speaks to the confidence that we have that regardless of how long the wait might be or how difficult the circumstances of our waiting, we are sure that God's promises will be kept. He will return again and bring us to His side in glory. And so being watchful means being certain of what is coming. So faith, love, and hope make up the watchfulness that God wants from His church as we wait for Jesus' return. But like the five foolish virgins in Jesus' parable, our watchfulness is not always what it should be. 
And so Isaiah's opening words in chapter 52 is just exactly what we need to hear. He says, wake up. And this call for God's people to awaken doesn't mean that everybody is simply sound asleep. Really the idea here is that God's people are down and out. Feeling discouraged, despondent, defeated. And so really what Isaiah is saying here is, pull yourself together, people of God. He's writing to those who in the not-too-distant future would find themselves in captivity in the land of Babylon. Now God had promised that there was going to be a limit set on that captivity. Seventy years. Then He would return them to the promised land and they would continue to wait for the Savior of the nations to come, just as God said. And in the meantime, God told them how He wanted them to live as His people during that captivity. Not as people who had no hope for a future, but rather as people who were confident that the Lord's deliverance was coming soon. But despite God's promises to them, Despite the Lord's encouragement for them, their watchfulness for that promised deliverance grew dim. They were feeling like people who were being trampled down by their enemies and even deserted by God. They were giving up hope. You know, the captivity of God's people in Babylon and their ultimate deliverance from that captivity really serves as a picture of the church today. Like them, we also are waiting for the Lord's promised deliverance when Jesus returns. And even though God hasn't set a specific timetable for us like He did for them, we know this deliverance is coming. In fact, Jesus says, I'm coming soon. And in the meantime, God also gives us instructions about how He wants us to live as His people. He calls us to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth, to share the good news with all of creation and to put His love on display by the way that we carry out our lives in this world. Like those five wise virgins in Jesus' parable, He wants us always watching and waiting for the return of the bridegroom no matter how long it may seem to take. That's God's vision for His church. That we be watchful as we wait. But we also know how easily our watchfulness can grow dim. Like those captives in Babylon, we can start to feel kind of down and out. Discouraged, despondent, defeated. And what is it that causes that? Well, it's because we live in a world where the darkness so often seems to far exceed the light. Maybe we face one trial after another in our personal lives. Maybe it's failing health or troubled relationships. Maybe it's financial struggles or setbacks at work. On top of that, We look around in this world and we see one tragedy after another. 
violent acts of terrorism, constant war, tremendous human suffering, natural disasters. Then as we observe the culture in which we live, we see one line after another being crossed in matters of morality and decency. I mean, twisted forms of sexuality are celebrated. Simple, natural distinction of things like gender are ignored. Evil is called good, and good is called evil. Murder of the unborn is labeled as personal choice, or even health care. And all who stand up for what's right and true are labeled as bigots or haters. Then when we consider our own hearts and lives, we start to see how some of that darkness from the world around us has begun to take root right here. We know that we're guilty of one fall after another into sin. There's a part of us that starts to wonder how we could ever hope to stand before God someday with confidence. As that darkness grows deeper both around us and within us, maybe we cut ourselves off from the light of God's Word. We stay away from the children of the light. Before long, our faith weakens. Our love grows cold. And our hope fades away. We get into this sort of funk of darkness, just like those captives in Babylon. But God's care for us is His people. His love for us is His people. It always remains constant. He says, wake up. Pull yourself together. Clothe yourself with strength. Put on your garments of splendor. Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned. Free yourself from the chains on your neck. And don't misunderstand, this is not God's way of saying that it's up to you to pull yourself out of this funk. No, with His words, He's telling us that Jesus has already done that for us. Those chains of sin and death have already been broken by Him. Through faith in Jesus, we are clothed with His strength and dressed in His righteousness. When God calls us to wake up and pull ourselves together, He's calling us to see and also to be what God has made us in Christ Jesus. The Apostle Peter says it so well. He says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. So shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned. No matter how deep the darkness may be, remember who you are in Jesus and remember what He has called you to do. Going back to the Apostle Peter, he says, we are to declare the praises of Him who called us out of darkness. In order to be the church that God envisions, the church that's watchful as it waits, we have to stay connected to that life-giving Word of God. That's the light that exposes and ultimately overcomes the darkness around us and within us. We have to stay close to those who are children of the light so that we can find the encouragement and the accountability and the camaraderie that we need in this world. Then strengthened by God's Word and spurred on by His people, 
we'll be the salt and the light that God has called us to be. And all the while, even as we're carrying out the mission that God has assigned to us as a church, even as we're carrying out the responsibilities that He's assigned to us as individuals, we'll do it keeping one eye on the skies, waiting for the promised return of our Savior. That's God's vision for the church. Not that we be a group of people who are trampled down and feeling defeated, but rather people who rise up in the grace and strength of our Lord Jesus to carry out the mission that He set before us. He wants us to be a church that is watchful as we wait. Sometimes that wait seems pretty long, doesn't it? And we know how fierce the enemies around us truly are. And so it's easy for us to start kind of wondering whether or not this promised deliverance is really going to come. Well, listen. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. At first, my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately, Assyria has oppressed them. And now, what do I have here, declares the Lord? For those captives in Babylon who are giving up hope and for God's people today who find themselves in that same frame of mind, the Lord provides a little history lesson. At first, my people went down to Egypt to live. After 400 years in that land, God's people found themselves enslaved and oppressed. They lived among a people who had a standing order from their king to put to death every male Israelite child that they found. Talk about darkness. But the Lord delivered them. He doesn't share all the details here, but the people knew them. Moses, the burning bush, the plagues, the Passover, the pillar of cloud and fire, the parting of the Red Sea, the provision of food and water in the wilderness, and ultimately, the promised land. God says, lately, Assyria has oppressed them. This deliverance would have been a bit fresher in the minds of these captives in Babylon. When the mighty nation of Assyria overran and ultimately destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel in 722 B.C., God's people in the southern kingdom of Judah, they figured they were next in line. That mighty Assyrian army, more than 185,000 strong, camped outside of Jerusalem and were taunting God's people. You might remember that faithful King Hezekiah prayed to the Lord for help. And God sent his answer to that prayer through the prophet Isaiah. He said, I will defend this city and save it for my sake. Then the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp. And so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew. He returned to Nineveh, and he stayed there. And now what do I have here, declares the Lord? The Babylonians. This nation, this instrument that God was using to discipline His people and turn their hearts back to Him, the Babylonians had now become consumed with pride, were mocking, blaspheming God's name. And again, Isaiah says, God is going to act. God's 
judgment on the Babylonians was foretold by God writing it on the wall of the king's palace. The message that God had for that king, your days are numbered. Your kingdom is going to be given to another. The book of Daniel tells us that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom. A short time after that, the order was given for the captives to return to Israel, rebuild the temple, and continue to wait for the Savior of the nations to come. God's track record of delivering His people and keeping His promises is perfect. And now what do I have here, declares the Lord. Just as God saw the oppression of the Egyptians, the threats of the Assyrians, and the pride of the Babylonians, He sees what's going on in the world today. He knows the mocking and the blaspheming that's out there. And He will act. But He's gracious and patient. And as long as He is, He wants us to be watchful. To keep feeding our faith, so that we always remember who we are as God's people, loved, forgiven, and protected by Him. He wants us to keep putting that love on display in our lives and letting our light shine so that many more may be gathered into God's family before it's too late. And He wants us to maintain our hope and optimism, knowing how sure God's promises are so that we don't get discouraged as we wait. That's what God means when He says, My people will know My name. We know who our God is. Gracious, forgiving, and patient. And yet ultimately we know that He will judge those who reject Him and the salvation that He freely provided. God will keep His promises. In that day, God says, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. The day is coming for us just as it came for those captives in Babylon, but on a much grander scale. God returned them to the land of Israel where they could continue to wait for that promised Savior who would bring that deliverance from sin, death, and hell by His life, death, and resurrection. And now that Jesus has accomplished that work, we are waiting for Him to come again, to take us and all His people to that perfect promised land of heaven. And in the meantime, God wants us to be watchful as we wait. So we will. We'll at the same time, continuing to pray, come Lord Jesus. Amen. And may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding Guard and keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.